Welcome to the SBS Tour de France podcast sponsored by Zwift. It was famously used by Matt Heyman to prepare for his victory at Paris-Roubaix. You can use it too for your own goals. Visit Zwift.com to learn how to join the digital peloton today. Uh, bonjour, 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 and welcome to the Zwift Tour de France podcast. I'm Christophe Malen, I'm your host. Every day of this Tour de France 2017, it's episode 17 actually as well. So welcome to this podcast. Let me remind you that you can download and stream this podcast on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash cyclingcentral. You can, of course, find us on iTunes, and we'll talk about this in a minute, but you've been finding us on iTunes, and it's amazing. Uh, and you can also find us on our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral, or schedule a ride with our lovely partners at Zwift.com. Joining me in this podcast today is, of course, Dave McKenzie. Hey, Dave. Oh, hey. I'll tell you what, I'm loving where we are. It's just a beautiful part of the world. I know we say that every day, but France is just magnificent. After so many tours, are you still discovering the countries? Yes, I am. I am. You know, I lived in France only for a year when I was racing in Toulouse. And I won't say I, I fell in love with the place. I've fallen in, in love with France on the last 11 editions of the Tour de France. And I guess it's because I'm not racing, you know, you're generally chewing the head stem off, trying to hang onto the wheel in front of you. So now, as much as we work hard, yeah, you do get to enjoy uh, the evenings a bit better. You get to have a couple of glasses of red or white or champagne or anything. Now, let's talk about something important, okay? Uh, wine, you know, all this is, yeah, it's important, but we are the number one podcast in Australia. Yes! Sports podcast in Australia. Wow, and you know what? I, I actually, a couple of times in my career, I raced against Lance Armstrong. Now, you know what? You've beaten him. Yeah, and I was going to say, I never, ever got near his rear wheel. But guess what, Lance? I'm beating you right now, buddy. <laughs> exactly. Number fifth podcast overall in Australia, but number one sport podcast in Australia. And I think it's important what we do here is to say thank you to all the listeners because it's because they're downloading, because they're streaming, because they're listening that this is becoming a successful podcast. Yes, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I'll second that. And also I'll thank you for inviting me to come on and chat. It's been fantastic. And the podcast, it's a, it's a real new thing to me. And uh, but no, we've been having a lot of fun, haven't we? And uh, you know, with another week to go, we're going to have some rippers, I think. Absolutely. Let's talk about the stage uh, last night. Uh, what do you make of that stage? Because it's been it's been an entertaining stage, actually. Yeah, it was very entertaining. We, I hoped it would have been before the before the start. We saw the we saw the stage profile, and we thought. This has got all the hallmarks for an exciting stage. So it didn't disappoint. And then with Froomey's mechanical that, you know, almost cost him some serious time. It was, it was a knife's edge. Yeah, our AG2R, we can talk about this because AG2R did the work uh, while Froomey had the, uh, the mechanical. They were completely entitled to do it, but Bardet did not attack. Bardet sat down and then took on the train. I thought he could have attacked at that point. Is he scared of that Sky team and, and Froomey? Well, he, look, yeah, it's a funny one. I think I've become a real armchair critic and, and, you, and it's easy. It's, you quickly forget what it's like racing in the peloton. I think at that point he had to sit and let his teammates do the work. I would have liked them to be really rotating turns quickly. They were using up one man at a time. So effectively it was only one man trying to hold off the Sky Train. Whereas if they had have got five of their teammates, Bardet did attack on the climb once they got to the climb, the steepest section. But, but he was not testing, because yeah, Froome was already almost he, back at that time. Yeah, he was, he was, he was back, he was back. So, 
you know, it's easy for us to, to say that, but they were they were going at warp speed. When when Froome's mechanical happened, that AG2R, to their credit, were already turning the screws. They'd already gapped him twice. So, but Froome, I tell you what, when when it's like everyone is against him, you know, it's like the Truman Show. They're trying to stop him from winning the Tour de France. He finds a way. Absolutely. Uh, there's also an interesting point on this. All we've been discussing about Londa, uh, sort of been proven wrong today because he dropped out of that group to help for me to come back. He's pulled his head in, hasn't he? That's what I think. He's pulled his head in. It's, it's interesting. He only dropped back the last 100 metres. Froome was 100 metres off the back, so he'd used up every other teammate. Landa probably had to stay there. I think he had to stay there because of his GC uh, placing at the moment, you know, he's high up and he, he is a plan B but he only dropped back the last 100 metres, so yeah to me, where there's smoke, there's fire uh, What do you make of the winner of the stage Molima? Oh, brilliant, absolutely brilliant, you know what he averaged for the last 30 kilometres 47.6 kilometres an hour, on his own on his own, our cameraman uh, Eduardo, who we love here and he is a, he's doing a fantastic job he said that's quicker than my scooter. <laughs> it's quicker than my Vespa. <laughs> well, I don't own a Vespa, so it's quicker than, certainly quicker than what I ride these days. I know that much. So we're heading towards the, the race there, and we'll talk about the race there a bit later on in, uh, in the program. But uh, overall, pretty pleased by that stage. Pretty pleased by the first two weeks. Yes, yes. Look, look to be really honest, we've probably had a week of a little bit of boring racing. I think that I think we can say that, honestly. Um, however, the last few days leading into the rest day, wow, there's been excitement plus, and it's the tour that we've wanted. And, and at the end of all of that, argue whether it's boring or not, we've got one of the tightest Tour de France's in history. So at this point of the race, that's good. Absolutely, because the first three are in, in within 23 seconds. Uh, that never really happened before, uh, or not for a long time in the Froome era. No, that's right. That's that's right. I, I asked Chris Froome that after the stage uh, yesterday, and I said, you know, this is the tightest it's been of all your three victories, and this is he's going for number four, and he nodded and said, absolutely, it's tight. Let's talk about uh, Australia's bling, uh, Michael Matthews. How do you rate his performance yesterday? It was very good, but that was, you know, what we didn't know until after he'd crossed the line. I went to interview him, and he was fine, but he was really, he was he was a bit pissed off. Can I say that? Well, I had to say again. Podcasts? Okay. Well, now as we can, because we're number one. Um, he, he needed a nature break, and he said he needed the nature break all day. He finally took it on that climb, and that's where he got gapped. He, he said he was that desperate. He had to go, and he said he couldn't find a spot because of the crowds. He said there were so many people. So I think he was actually kicking himself for stopping, and... I've been in that situation before. When you've when you've got to go, you really have to go. And so, yeah, look, he's riding brilliant though. He's in career career best form, and uh, I think he can win another stage. And Warren Bargill as well, the Polkada jersey wearer. Uh, I mean, he did show off that jersey very well. He, he rode a very good stage. He did, he did. And I guess I'll pose the question to you. I'll turn it back around, and it's a little bit of a dirty word, I think. Sometimes is he the new Richard Varenk? Uh, I think he could be because he's, he's, he's got that drive, you know, he's got that love for the jersey. Uh, I really think he could be and I really hope he's going to bring this jersey back to the Champs-Élysées. And I really think he can. Yeah, I think he can. I think uh, they're riding on a massive high, aren't they? And 
you know, jokes aside, we the sport, the Tour de France needs a few Frenchmen to really step up. We know we've got Bardet who's there and he's ready. He's ready, I think, to win the Tour de France. Maybe not this year, but if not next year, who knows? That that will play out. But we need a few more. And Bargill's that perfect one. And, you know, he's clean cut. He's he's good looking. He's, you know, he's tall. He's it's funny. Yeah, he's funny. He's good. And he speaks English, which is important <laughs> for me. So, no, I think it's, um, yeah, I'd love to see him win the KOM. Okay, talking of funny, let's take a short break. And then when we come back, we talk to, to Tomo, Michael Tomolaris, try to find out a few, a few quirky things about, it, about him. I bet over the years, you've got a few quirky things about him. Well, I tell you what, good luck with that. It, what, have you got screws to open up his brain and, and, and analyse it? Because like, you're going to need them. I will try. Uh, thanks, Mike. I'll see you in a bit. No worries, will do. Zwift has structured workouts created by some of the top coaches in the world. We're all looking to take our training to the next level and Zwift has really incredible workouts that make you sweat. Several of the workouts were actually created by Kevin Poulton, who's a world tour coach and also the coach of Matt Heyman. He's good, really good. He'll help you increase your FTP in no time at all, taking you through single workouts or complete training plans all in Zwift. Check it out for yourself at Zwift.com today. And now we've a Mike Tomalaris. Hi, Mike. Oh, Christoph, it's so wonderful to be back. I thought it was only going to be one appearance for me, but two appearances, I'm blessed. Let's make it three at some point. <laughs> uh, at this point in the podcast, we like to ask, who are you, Mike Tomolaris? So that's the question. Who are you, Tomo? Who am I? I'm uh, a very passionate man, very emotional. I've got two daughters who I love dearly. I'm a married man. I've been married for 32 years. I uh, was formerly... Um, a lover of uh, the game of football. I still am a lover of the game of football. I played soccer from the age of six to 42, but then when the muscles said you can't play anymore, you've got to ride a bike. And I thought uh, 15 years ago, uh, it's time to practice what I preach. Ditch the football boots, buy a bike, and I've been wearing Lycra, well, for the last 15 years. How much are you excited about cycling and the Tour de France? It looks like it's your event. You almost own this event for SBS. Oh, look, it's, it's nobody is bigger than this tour. Of course, it goes back 114 years. I'm still excited about this event. It runs through my veins. And you know what? It's not just my veins, but it, it, it's, um, it's a disease, if you like, that has spread throughout everybody at SBS. From the MD right down to those who just press buttons. They're very important people. But I've noticed at SBS in the car park, so many people are cycling to work and going home, even at this time of the year when it's dark at 4.35 o'clock. So um, I like to think that... Um, I'm not bigger than anything. Uh, it's, I'm just a humble person, but I'd like to think that I've perhaps influenced people to jump on a bike, just like I have. I did 15 years ago and uh, fall in love with this thing called cycling. We can hear that the crowd is, uh, is cheering. Uh, sadly, it's not for us. Uh, it's the, it's the, the, the whole fervor for the, for the tour. Does that still run through your vein as well? The fact that when you go to France, it's so popular. You know, I did my first tour in 1996, and from the very first moment before I covered the first stage in Den Bosch in the Netherlands, and uh, I experienced this noise, this overwhelming uh, um, cacophony of uh, noise and passion, I fell in love straight away. Um, I'd been to many World Cup tournaments in terms of football, uh, Olympic Games, but there's nothing that compares in terms of uh, atmosphere, passion, uh, no, oh, you know, it gives me goosebumps just talking about it to you now. 
Do you know what's nice as well? It's one of the rare sports that comes to the people. That makes a difference. And it's free. And uh, these guys, well, it's, uh, I guess it's the best way to uh, get to know the cyclists. You're right, it's free. What other sporting event is uh, free like this is? When you go into a football stadium, you're paying top dollar. Um, that's what makes the Tour de France and cycling in general so special. What do you make of this year's Tour de France so far? Look, uh, I'd like to think that uh, it will get better in terms of suspense. We want to see uh, a race that goes down to the wire right up to the finish in Paris. We saw that in 2011 with Cadell Evans when he got the yellow jersey on the penultimate stage in Grenoble. It's been a little bit one-way traffic since. Uh, Team Sky evolved their whole year around this race and uh, they are just head and shoulders above everybody else. I just hope uh, they don't uh, suffocate this race as they have in the past. And I say that um, um, not in a, in a detrimental way. Uh, they're playing by the rules, Team Sky, but... Uh, we want to see a suspenseful race. We've seen it in the Vuelta, the Tour of Spain. We've seen it in the Giro. These races haven't been decided until the very last moment. I hope it happens this year. The race deserves it. What makes them so strong? Is it just the dollars? Because, we know, you can go Geraint Thomas, uh, who sadly uh, got out of the Tour earlier on. Uh, he could lead a team. You know, we saw Richie breaking out of Sky. Is that just the dollars that, where they're just able to get the best riders so that he's basically shutting them down from be part of any other team? Christoph, in world cycling there's no salary cap like there might be in other, in other sports and uh, it is dollars. Uh, they can throw as much money as they possibly want uh, to these riders and each and every one of the riders competing in, uh, in the Tour de France this year and in past years for Team Sky can uh, come to this race as a team leader. It's not the case with many other teams. Richie, for example, in BMC, he is the sole leader. Um, every other rider in that team, and no disrespect to them, they are very capable cyclists, but they're not Grand Tour riders. Um, you go through the roster at Team Sky, and if it's not Chris Froome, it might be Geraint Thomas, it might be Sergio Anau, etc., etc. Each and every one of those guys can win the Tour de France or can be in a position to at least team it. That is the difference, I believe. So they've got a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, a plan D. Yep. What's, uh, what, what letter comes after nine riders? But whatever it is, that's it. <laughs> You're exactly right. Thank you, Tom. It was lovely to have a quick chat with you. Absolute pleasure. When Zwift first started, we had but a few short kilometres you could ride. Now Zwift has almost 100 unique kilometres of road with a seemingly endless variety of routes you can take around the world. And they're always adding more roads to ride. And the roads are really cool too. There's the streets of London where you can pass by Parliament or Harold's. There's the roads of Watopia which take you through underwater tunnels and through a volcano or you can even ride the Richmond 2015 UCI World Championships course. That's my favourite. Can't wait to see what they add next. Check it out for yourself at Zwift.com today. Uh, welcome back to the Zwift Tour de France podcast. And uh, of course, Maka is here. Well, I don't know what else I'd be doing otherwise. So I was having a snooze. The race was getting a little bit slow. So it's just like, you know, that's good. You wake me up. How many beers? How many beers? Yeah. So since, far. since the start of the tour? Oh, so far today. I thought, jeez, I'm going to have to, I'll, I'll run out of fingers. Uh, no, I've had one beer. I have one beer a day. It's the Euro style, one with lunch. That's all. Good man. Uh, let's talk about the rest day because uh, tonight it's a rest day. Uh, so therefore, no cycling on TV uh, or no live cycling on TV. What do the riders do on a, on a second rest day like this? And, and what are the differences between the first rest day and the second rest day? 
Well, firstly, you're a little bit more tired, <laughs> I guess. About how much more tired? Yeah, well, uh, about 10 days. <laughs> no, I'm being smart, aren't I? No, you're stating the obvious, but yes, the body's a bit more worn down. So the first thing you do is sleep in. You know, and if, you, and if you're lucky that you can afford that luxury of just actually, and what I mean the luxury, I don't mean as in no one waking you up, I mean your body able to just recuperate naturally, not wake up at all. So the riders try and sleep in, a late breakfast, a late ride, a short ride, similar to what they would have done on the first rest day. They've got to keep the body ticking over. And then, you know, maybe catch up with a bit of family, friends. It's, it's similar. It's very similar to what we talked about for the first rest day. And sometimes it's that motivation and the morale, just seeing a friend or family. The big difference, though, this year, or this time, is the first rest day, the stage after the rest day, was a transitional stage, okay? This time, they're hitting the, the mountain. They're hitting it hard straight away. So what does that do to the body? Because it's going to be hot. Uh, you can't afford to just basically sit down and do nothing. No, no. And it was interesting. Uh, I think we heard, it might have been your interview with Matthew Heyman, or I heard it somewhere that he didn't ride. He took the day off on the first rest day. So the second one, I don't think too many riders can afford to do that because they hit it hard into the mountains, as you say. They've got to tick it over. And sometimes riders will actually go out and do some efforts, believe it or not, which is crazy. I could never do that. But it just keeps their body, not much, but just two hours, but some short efforts just to keep their heart rate from going, uh, you know, flat line. Because there must be something about hydration as well. You know, you've been hydrating your body, your body fluids for a certain rhythm at a certain time, a certain number of times a day. You can't just stop like this. You've got to keep going because you have to think about the next day and the next week because the week is pretty tough what's coming over. Yeah, and the body shuts down and it can be actually, believe it or not, and I mean, this is my opinion, so uh, for the doctors who want to shoot me down, please, by all means, do it. No, but you're, you're an ex-racer. Not, so. not literally, <laughs> not literally, just verbally. Yeah, I was, I was, taking, uh, I was taking notes and orders. <laughs> it's, I think it's unhealthy to not to completely shut it down. If you completely shut it down, a, a professional athlete, I think, in any sport, endurance sport in particular, if they try, if they shut it down and do nothing, it's actually you're worse off. So you've just got to just keep it ticking over, keep that heart ticking over, and, and you'll get better results uh, after that. What about our rest day? Uh, what about your rest day? You're probably going to do. Uh, let's not mention the pool straight away. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now you're probably going to do some work because there's probably going to be some presses. What, what do you guys do on a rest day as well? Well, our, our producer's not here. No, she's not listening. I'm hoping she, she might be on the Facebook Live we're just oh, doing no, right now. Oh, my goodness. She might be. Oh, whoops. She probably is. I'm hoping we don't do too much. I'm hoping we have a whew, sleep in. As we will have a little bit of a sleep in. Uh, generally, you've got a, a decent transfer from the end of the stage to get there. So, you know, you just try and chill out and uh, not do too much. But generally, presses, there's always one or two that you have to do. In previous years, it's been for us, typical has been Sky... BMC and of course Orica Scott uh, being an Australian team and we probably won't cover all those those three but uh, there'll certainly be something in there. Okay and what about uh, on a personal level so you're going to sleep in are we going to have some proper food are you going to teach me about wine this time we have a whole day we can look at wines. Do you want to are you prepared to learn? Titillate me. <laughs> okay yes definitely I'm not even sure where we'll be exactly the uh, what type of wine but I've I have learned a bit about French wine over the years. I'm certainly no connoisseur, but I do like it. It's France, uh, and I know nothing about wine, but what I know is we're never far from it. Oh, it's true. The vines are close. They're always close. I love that. So, now, you know what else? Boring. I'll be doing my laundry. I'll do my laundry as well. Thanks, Maka. 
No worries, pleasure. And this is it for this episode 17 of the Zwift Tour de France podcast. Uh, thanks to everyone that's been following us. Uh, and thank you for making us the number one sports podcast in Australia and the number five podcast in Australia overall. This is amazing. We can't stop talking about it. But why the heck is an amazing achievement just for the Tour de France and seeing the Tour de France being very popular. It's a lovely, lovely feeling. Thank you for joining us. Let me remind you that you can... Uh, Therefore, download and stream this podcast on uh, our SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash cyclingcentral. You can find it on iTunes, of course, if you search for SBS Cycling Central or from our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral. Tonight is the race day, but don't worry, still have a podcast ready for you tomorrow morning because you know what? The tour doesn't stop, so we don't stop either. Have a great day. I don't know. Thanks to Zwift for sponsoring the SBS Tour de France podcast. Every day throughout the Tour de France, there are SBS group rides that you can join and see how your wattage output compares to the likes of Richie Port and Chris Froome. Check it out today by visiting Zwift.com to learn more.